This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 133. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. Hello, this is Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. All right. Yay. All right. Well, today's episode is called The Empty Nest, which sounds so sad. It does? (laughs) (laughs) To some sounds sad, to others sounds like woohoo. Well, it's both. (laughs) It is both. It is a bittersweet process. You know, when we talk with couples who are either already an empty nest or becoming empty nesters, Mm -hmm. they're in the process of emptying the nest. That is the thing that we hear more than anything is that it's a bittersweet season. It's a mix of the two. It is because this is what you've sort of raised your kids for to launch and be productive individuals That's in society, exactly right. independent. And yet you've been day-to-day, hands-on, raising these kids for 18-plus years. Right. And all of a sudden that role shifts dramatically. And so it can be difficult. It can be challenging. The empty nesting phase is now... <laughs> It's different than it was 25 or 40 years ago. Yeah, because you and I talk about this a lot. In fact, we were just talking with a couple friend of ours about this, about how because of the economy and the global pandemic and so many other factors, when your kids launch, it doesn't mean they're always mean they're permanently launched. Right. (laughs) Because of the boomerang effect of sometimes they've got to come home and live because maybe they've graduated from college, but they don't necessarily have a job yet. Or there's some pseudo launching. Yeah, it's kind of a revolving door empty nest for for some. So let's see, what do we want to say about empty nesting? The average age of an empty nester is 48. Hmm. Wow. So when you think about it, 48 is kind of right smack dab in the middle between the average age now of marriage, Uh which is around 28 to 30. Right. And retirement, which is now no longer around 65. It's more like 68 and up. Yeah. So the empty nester is right in that middle of life, Mm -hmm. which kind of brings up the point of other factors that go on when you are an empty nester is you are oftentimes in the middle of two generations that sometimes need you. They call it the sandwich generation. It's true. Where your parents, if you were an empty nester, may be aging if they're still with you. Right. Uh, there may be d- decisions that you have to make around that. Mm-hmm. But then your adult children are still needing your input and influence and financial (laughs) support. Most likely. So a lot of times empty nesters feel kind of stuck there in that middle of life of not really, it's it's like on one hand, you're given the freedom to sort of enjoy the second act of your life. Uh But then oftentimes empty nesters will say, yeah, but I've got more responsibility now to other people because of being in that sandwich generation. Right. Well, 
so let's get back to when kids theoretically leave high school mm-hmm. and go off to college or trade school or go off to start a career or whatever they're going to do in that period following their public education, let's say. Yeah. Talk about some of those characteristics, assuming that there is some kind of launch that takes place. Yeah. Either off to Whatever your emptiness is caused from. Exactly. Not every kid should or needs to go to college. Right. You know, it's just not in the cards for everybody. True. But there are some common characteristics and one of them is grief. And this is what we talk with couples about is to sort of give yourself permission to grieve this stage of life. Right. Grieve this season that is now gone. Right. I remember when both of our kids left for college, there was a part of me that had this sort of invisible tethered rope to them that I wanted to sort of pull them back and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not done raising you yet. This you is know? happening too fast. Yeah, and and there's still stuff I got to say. There's still stuff I got to teach you. I'm not done yet. Yeah. And there was- I still feel that way. Yeah, and there was a part of me that had to just sort of stop and rest in the fact that, no, we've done it. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like there's more to give, right. but- this is the time to let it go. So there's grief there. Yeah, there's grief around not being the active role parent that you have been for all these years. Right, right. And then there's an emptiness, an an empty feeling that's very real. I remember it was kind of nice to not have to get up at the crack of dawn to make sure my high schooler hadn't gotten out the door or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then there was also (laughs) just kind of this quiet around the house, you know, and that's just something, the activity was the mad dash activity of swim team and football and all the stuff was not there anymore. Right, right. And for someone who's a very hands-on parent, which I think most of us are, that can feel a little bit like, wait a minute, what is my life now? But again, some people can be so busy celebrating, they're not in touch with their grief or their emptiness. That's exactly true. Another common characteristic is fear and worry. Right. You know, there's no way you can launch your kids into the next phase of young adult life and not be a little worried that they're going to make good choices Mm -hmm. and everything's going to be okay. And that's a very valid characteristic of empty nesters too. Well, and it parallels another characteristic is the loss of control. You know, we have this mythical idea that we can kind of control our kids' situations when they're being raised because they're in the house and we're the ones that for most of that period can drive, they can't. We're the ones that are making most of the decisions through that first 18 years or whatever, Mm -hmm. theoretically anyway. And then all of a sudden this big shift happens and it can be fearful for some people. Yeah. And that loss of control, you know, I I keep getting sort of uh, smacked in the face recently of this idea that is all control really just an illusion? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's true when your kids are very small. Yes, you have a lot of control over them. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're, you're their literal boundary. And, but as they get older, your control really it wanes so much that what is really there is your influence. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want to get to as a parent. Well, what's that saying that from the moment your child is first born, you're relinquishing control 
Maybe maybe not in your own mind and heart, but yeah. in reality, that's the truth. Yeah, it's an everyday act of letting go mm-hmm. from the time they're born, which is, you know, can be kind of scary when you've got little ones like, what? Yeah. But as they get older, that's a very, very much a reality. So do you think there is, we talked about kind of this cognitive dissonance of the bittersweet phase of there's some things you're sad about and there's some things you're happy about. Do you think there's biblical support to give yourself permission to grieve. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, always. Any loss or mm-hmm. any shift even in your life mm-hmm. where something changes dramatically from where it's been before, of course. Yeah. 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 I'm reminded of that phrase in Ecclesiastes 3 that's a very famous song as mm-hmm. well. You know, there's a time to laugh and a time to mourn and a time... I think God understands and and has even built into our lives seasons. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those seasons are difficult and challenging. And where married couples can really help each other here is to sort of give each other the space to grieve in whatever way that looks like. Mm -hmm. For some parents, there's some regret Mm -hmm. around when your kids launch. In fact, I recently read that there's kind of new research lately that empty nest syndrome, which was kind of this term that was coined by a sociologist in the 70s, really sort of termed it that way based on mothers. Because mm-hmm. back in the day, before, even though in the 70s there was a, an emerging workforce for women, but still there were a lot of women who had more traditional roles where the lion's share of the raising of the children and running of the house was to, you know, the woman's responsibility. Yeah, far more than today. And so back in the day, it was really the women who were feeling this incredible hole Mm -hmm. when their kids would leave. Now there's research showing that more and more dads Mm -hmm. feel that regret. Right. And a lot of times it's tied to, I was working all the time and I didn't spend enough time with them when they were at home and and I have regrets around that. Right, which 50, 60 years ago was not, recognized as uh, any kind of lack or now men are more heightened to awareness of uh, their need to be involved in the lives of their kids to positively affect them. Yeah. So all that to say, the two of you may be grieving different things or grieving different ways. And I think a real gift can be to give each other permission, so to speak, to sort of Grieve the way you need to grieve. Right. Yeah. One thing that you and I did that I think was really smart was, you know, after we took our first one to college, I had a week's worth of multiple panic attacks that was the week from heck. I remember. Yes, it was quite painful. With our second one, who was our youngest, we booked a little vacation for literally right after we dropped him off. Yeah. Three or, four, three or four nights at the Riverwalk in San Antonio. That's right. And so we dropped him off. We drove about two and a half hours, cried some, and then got to the vacation spot and literally gave ourselves permission to just unwind mm-hmm. because it had been a lot packing and planning and a year's worth of last events, you know, that senior year and it all that. It goes so fast. It's a whirlwind of yeah. activity. But I, I was really glad we did that. And we sort of learned that from from number kid number one to kid number two. Yep. So when we're talking about empty nesting, we're sort of doing several things at once as far as the family dynamic is concerned. The first thing we're doing is we are literally changing the family structure 
I don't know if I should say literally, we are changing the family structure. And this is, you know, a normal part of the modern marriage life cycle. Although sociologically speaking, I guess this phenomenon is kind of recent because kids didn't always leave the nest in the ancient world. In in more agrarian societies Uh and so forth, the kids stayed on and were Part yeah. of the working force. And as they got married and had children, they all just built the family and all even lived together right. oftentimes. So humans were much more tethered to family back in the day than they are now. I remember when my stepfather, who has passed away now, but he was uh, born and raised in Iran. Mm-hmm. And when he came to the States and saw all of these kids leaving home, including, you know, in our family, he was like, why does everyone leave home? A little mesmerized by yeah, it. Yeah, because in his family structure, everyone not necessarily lived in the same house, mm-hmm. but at least like next door or Stayed a couple of doors close. down, very, very close. Yeah. So changing the family structure that way. But then you're also changing what, Brett, the dynamic between parent and child? Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's, I was kidding, but I mean, you know, the goal... From zero to 18, theoretically, for most parents, if they stay true to it, is to raise independent young adults. But that's getting a lot more challenging these days. That's true. We talk in, when we used to be kind of liaisons for the parenting by design model, uh, is that you move into a role called the consultant role, Mm -hmm. which is really what you want to be with your young adult kids. And I think some people sort of think, well, how do I do that when they're in college? Because they're not really adults, but they are adults Mm -hmm. kind of, you know. And I think really you're morphing into that phase where you wait for them to ask you your opinion or they wait for you to ask your advice or help mm-hmm. and then you kind of weigh in. And it goes back to that influence word. Right. That change, that role change from parent to child can be challenging. I remember when our son eventually moved to California where yeah. he still lives. Uh-huh. There was a time where we were on the phone one time and he said to me, Mom, sometimes you get a little micromanagey, <laughs> I think was his word. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, well, you know what? You're going to have to tell me when I do that because I really don't recognize when I'm doing it. Because right. in my world, I'm just like, hey, I'm just helping. Yeah, you're just conditioned so, to be a certain way. So there would be times where we'd be talking and he'd go, this feels a little micromanaging. I'd be like, okay, I got to recognize what that is. So as a parent, you know, you're moving into that consultant role, which can be challenging. But even as an individual, you may have a vocational change or maybe- As the parent. Yeah, as the parent, I'm sorry. And then, you know, maybe retirement is, you know, getting closer. So you're having to think about more about finances and that sort of thing. You know, for women, menopause may be sneaking up on you and that changes a lot of things. Or male menopause. Male menopause. Well, you know, that cliche of the midlife crisis, you yeah. know, they say in, in the psychology books that the midlife crisis came about because men don't really have a marked physiological time right. of their life that says, okay, I was young and now I'm older, where women do. Right. And so that men sort of had to <laughs> create this 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 time marker for them yeah. to <laughs> something that occurs before the knee replacements and the hip replacements. <laughs> exactly. So we we changed the family structure, we changed the dynamic between parent and child. Mm-hmm. But then, what's the third one, which is what we want to focus on a little bit? Well, obviously, it's changing the dynamic between 
husband and wife, between the parents, the ones who started the corporation, started so to the speak. Corporation. That's good. Yeah, and I, you know, I think these natural transitions, uh, which maybe don't always happen on schedule or don't happen the way that you always thought it would happen necessarily, but you can kind of lean into these more typical structure times of transition, like like graduation or going off to school or going off to uh, another career for your kids, whatever it is. I think leaning into those, giving yourself permission to anticipate those changes. I think that's something that served us well was that you and I, as our, from the moment we became parents, we were looking ahead a little bit, not, not obsessively, not enough to where we weren't functioning, you know, uh-huh. but we would look and say, okay, well, what, what, what's coming up in the next three to five years and how's that going to potentially look for us, even though we've never been through it before yet? Yeah. You know, what's it going to look, look like when our first kid turns 13? What's it going to look like when our first kid learns how to drive? What's it going to look like when they go off to school and try to anticipate those things and, and just recognize that these are significant periods of transition. Yeah. I think it was helpful for us to have conversations with other people that had gone through it before us and get a little feedback from them. Yeah, that's very, very true. As you said, the two of you started this, as you call it, the corporation, started this gig. You know, if you're a blended family and each of you had kids before, that's a different feeling. But if you did start your family with the two of you and then added children, there's so many people that go, oh gosh, it's going to be back to just us again. That's wonderful. That's great. But it can be a little wonky because your memory of what it was like when it was just the two of us was we were young. Right. We didn't have kids. You know, we might have been broke. <laughs> that, that was a long time ago. It was a very long time our, ago. Our health is different now and so forth. <laughs> and just as people, we've grown and evolved. And so we're kind of in, right. a, in a way, we're two different people, but back together again. Without, without, a, the, without a doubt. The thing that marriage experts say is that when you are parenting your kids and you're raising your family, you do a lot of what they call shoulder to shoulder work, which if you can envision mm-hmm. a husband and wife standing next to each other, shoulder to shoulder, doing everything, raising the kids, running the household, working, all of that stuff. And parents forget to turn to each other as man and woman mm-hmm. and do face-to-face work. Right. And so literally that empty nest phase can be you finding yourself kind of at the top of the mountain, looking at each other going, now who are you? Right. We've well, been making lunches and driving carpool for so long that- I don't remember exactly who are we, you and me. Right. Well, this again highlights what we have talked about so many times on this podcast and in presenting and so forth, the importance of developing and cultivating intimacy between husband and wife at whatever stage you're at. Yeah. Whether you're newly married or been married 50 years, anything in between. You have to keep investing. Yeah, and keep turning towards one another, as Gottman and his team says. Yeah, and and for those listeners who, who maybe you're raising littles right now, this is why we always tell young couples with young kids, keep your family marriage-centric, mm-hmm. not kid-centric, Right. which sounds like you're not going to love your kids, which is ridiculous. But you've got to just make sure that your kids understand mom and dad's relationship is the hub right. of this family. 
Right. And, you know, you're going to do for your kids and sacrifice for your kids and do all that. But make sure that you are taking time for date nights and Mm -hmm. fun time with just the two of you and the two of you embrace after work before maybe you run and get the kids, you know. What what you're saying is that uh, a strong marriage bleeds into the rest of the family to make the other relationships healthy Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as believers, we... I think God-centric is the most important thing. Yeah, you know, for sure. Keep, keeping your focus on God, who who really is in control. Yeah, you know, we we have the, like you said, delusion of believing that we control all things, but that delusion gets unraveled pretty quickly on most days. Yeah, I think the crisis around empty nest syndrome is a lack of readiness hmm. for that phase of mm-hmm. life. And that's why I was always glad, and you, you talked about this a minute ago, Brett, where as our kids were growing up, you were really good about, okay, what's on the horizon? What are we prepping for? What's the next thing look like, the next phase? And we even did that for Empty Nest. You know, mm-hmm. We would talk about, oh gosh, how are we going to spend our evenings right. You know, when it's just us? And the thing about being an empty nester is a lot of times you think, oh, I'm going to have this plethora of free time. I'm just going to have so much. And sometimes you're just kind of like, wait a minute, I feel just as busy as, you know, I did before. So the temptation can be to just fill your calendar with all the stuff you feel like you've been putting it at bay. Because you had been conditioned to have all that time (laughs) filled by baseball and carpools and school events and everything else. Yeah, but now you actually have time to have margin in your life Mm -hmm. and to really sort of you can welcome it, that space. Take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, questions like what have what have you been looking forward to? What are you fearful of? Are mm-hmm. you fearful of something relationally with you and your spouse? Are you we have empty nester or almost empty nesters who'll say, We're a little nervous mm-hmm. about this. Well, it, when it's just us. Physically, vocationally, you know, there could be some things you want to invest in or begin. Mm-hmm. So it's a new hobby that you've been waiting to try. I think it's good to ask, what are your core values? A lot of people are not really mm-hmm. aware of what they are. Right. Or maybe they think they know, but they've never articulated them. They'll spend a lot of time talking about it. Yeah. And and you may say, you know, well, my priorities in my first act were this. Let's assume we have three acts in life. Now we're kind of in that second act. Are our priorities changing? Mm-hmm. Or are they pretty much the same? Do we have values around a healthy marriage as much as we have around a healthy family. Mm-hmm. And so some of those questions are are good to sort of get introspective about. And this, you know, this isn't navel gazing. This is, I, I like that term of an examined life, you know, and I think there's scripture support around, not so much where we just sit around, <laughs> you know, worrying about. Most definitely in our culture today, not reflective enough about, totally about things agree. that matter. Yeah, about things that matter. You're yeah. absolutely And, you know, what do we talk about, again, all the time when we're dealing with any couple in any potential situation of crisis or just a desire to improve their relationship, it always comes back to communication. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always wanting to help couples uh, improve their communication. And some of that is just to initiate a conversation yeah. and have conversations that matter instead of just continue doing the thing. I think the reason why we, let's say, and when our kids are teenagers or whatever, and they're they're busy, busy, and we're busy, busy propping them up or, you know, mm-hmm. helping them do their thing and so forth. Mm-hmm. Everybody's busy. Yeah. And things, but things maybe appear to be going quite well. Mm-hmm. 
but not anticipating some things that are coming up is is important. But I think what's always critical is our husbands and wives fully connecting with one another. Yeah. Because that's always important. Yeah. I mean, that's always vital and critical to the health of a healthy marriage. Yeah. You know, so it, it doesn't matter what period you're in, are you connecting with one another? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and we may have talked about it on the podcast before, but, you know, there's the cliche seven-year itch in marriage. And a few years ago, this phenomenon called the 35-year itch came around. And I think it's largely tied to this empty nest thing. Because if a couple hasn't really sort of invested and nurtured and all of that, their marriage, Mm -hmm. then they do find themselves without kids to raise and vacation, family vacations to go on and all of that. And they really don't know who they are, what their role is or their identity even. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's not even that they don't like the person they're married to. Mm -hmm. They just sort of don't know what to do with the marriage. And so it dissolves. Right. They weren't emotionally prepared for the massive shift. Yeah. You know, for a new dance again. Yeah, for a new dance, for reinventing. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a good conversation. Well, I've enjoyed it. (laughs) I'm just wondering when our empty nest period is going to begin. We have been empty nesters for (laughs) 10 years. That's what you say. Now we have three grandbabies. That's right. That's not not the revolving door. That's a new phase. And you know how much I love that. (laughs) We love it. It's the best. Well, if you would like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. And if you're enjoying Marriage to the Max, help us keep it going by supporting Home Encouragement. Just go to homeencouragement.org and click the donate button. Any amount helps. And also, we would be thrilled if you would rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps more people to find Marriage to the Max. Well, thank y'all so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.